Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. The title of my message is called Fear Killer. Fear Killer. Yeah. They have notes if you want them. I would encourage you to take notes on your phone or on paper like old school. But some of you guys might be thinking, you know, I'm not really fearful right now, but just, I'm not trying to like say you are, but just hang with me here for a second because 8.7% of Americans actually claim to be fearful right now. And that's just the people who admit it. That's 19.2 million people, 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 people that suffer from a specific phobia. That means they have named their fear. Isn't it funny that we name our fear? Like, we'll speak out of our mouth, like, oh, well, you know, I'm scared of spiders. Oh, well, you know, I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. Or I don't like tiny spaces. Like, that might be true, but why do we say it out of our mouth more than we say out of our mouth the name of God? Isn't that interesting? Like, we go through our life and you hear like psychologists and doctors say that, that you have a condition because you're fearful. Did you know that these are the top 10 most common fears? First of all, social phobias are the most common of all types of fears. Anything to do with social. So I'm just going to skip over that one because that's the one that most people have. Agrophobia is the fear of open spaces. That's the second most common, okay? Acrophobia is the fear of heights. This one I don't even think that I can try to pronounce, so just hang with me. Petromenahanophobia, which is just the fear of flying. <laughs> Claustrophobia, we know that one, right? Yeah, that one's common to us. Um, atomophobia, fear of insects. Ophytophobia, fear of snakes. Cynophobia, fear of dogs. Like, what the heck, dogs? I love dogs. Okay, but these people, they've... They've been able to, like, name their fears. And even if you don't have a specific phobia, you can probably understand the feeling that just, like, blows in, like, a severe storm in your life all of a sudden, and it interrupts your daily responsibilities. Maybe you're at work, and, like, you hear a noise, and you're like, oh, tornado. Or maybe, like, you hear, have you ever seen, like, those movies where the boss comes through, and all of a sudden they're like, she's coming, he's coming, and, like, everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. Maybe you have, like, a situation like that at work. But maybe you just have something that you're dealing with and it's actually taking out your enthusiasm for life because you can't even enjoy the moment. You know, some of us, we don't think that we're operating in fear, but so many of us have given our fear a name and we say it out loud and we claim it over our life and we accept it and therefore we are fearful. It's a big F word in our life. We don't always realize that it's controlling us or that it's influencing us or that it's affecting us, but it is. You know, I love this quote by Henry Ford. It says, one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his great surprises is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. So many of us, we just don't do like what we can do because we're scared what will happen in the end. Like the worst thing that could happen is that you fail, right? Like the Bible says even a righteous man falls seven times. 
So even if you think you're really, really awesome, you're probably gonna fail sometimes. But the cool thing is with God, he takes our failure and he helps us to win because he's already won. So the only thing you have to do is give him your failures. The only time in my life I've ever failed was when I tried to do something on my own without God. If you're ever fearful in a situation, that is a key indicator. Like a light should go off in your brain of, is God with me? That should be like your first thing, is God with me? And then if it is, you can take the thought captive. You know, I think it's interesting, it says it in my notes, but I think it's interesting that in the Bible it says take every thought captive. That means that you're going to have thoughts. You're going to have feelings, but they don't have to rule you. You have authority over every thought and every feeling that comes into your mind, into your heart, and no matter how justified you are to have it, you don't have to name it. You don't have to speak it. You don't have to receive it. There was a time in my life where I would write out things that I didn't want to give life to. Some of you need to start doing that so you can get it out of your head. Another quote that I love by the author of Winnie the Pooh is, you're braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. And that's true with God because guess what? Where you're not, he fills in the gaps. We know the scripture. I feel like I say it all the time because I love it because I need it. But wherever you're weak, his power is made perfect. It's paraphrasing. That's basically what it says. So if you can't do it, that just gives God the opportunity to show up in a perfect way. So fear, I was actually looking up like how the world defines fear. So listen to this. Pick up these key words. You'll hear me point them out. Fear is a feeling induced by perceived danger or threat that causes a change in metabolic and organ functions and ultimately a change in behavior, such as fleeing, hiding, or freezing from the perceived traumatic events. You notice it's not even real here. That's like what the world says is perceived, perceived. How many times do we freak out and nothing's even happened and we're freaking out and then like it doesn't happen but we've already freaked out? Or like you freak yourself out into something happening that you didn't ever think would happen because you were so freaked out. Okay, I don't know if you've ever done this but when I was little we had this house that was one story and it was really long. And I used to walk down the hall late at night and my dad used to make us close all the doors and turn off all the lights. <laughs> and I had this fake, well, it wasn't fake, it was a BB gun, but it was a Daisy BB gun. You guys know what those are? And I had it loaded in my house. And I'm walking around and I'm like, I know you're in there and I have a gun. And I would like, <laughs> it's a real story. I would turn off the light and I would run as fast as I could and I would turn around and I would shut the door. You know what's funny about that is that our house doors were locked, but because it was dark and I couldn't see, like I just assumed something was there. Like, do you realize when you belong to God, the enemy can't get in unless you let him? So why are we walking around like, I've got a gun, I know you're in there. Really, did you let that in? Because you're protected. Isn't that funny how we do that? We like create something that's not even there. So this says, another thing that the world says is fear, a reaction that starts in the brain and spreads through the whole body to make adjustments for the best defense or flight reaction. The fear response starts in a region of the brain called the amangandala. Isaiah 43.1 says, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
What does that tell you? You're chosen. You're chosen. You're a part. You're loved. Don't fear. But he starts out with what we deal with, right? Like, don't fear. And then he tells you why. God actually commands us not to fear or worry. That's what the Bible says. Which can kind of sound harsh. You're like, how dare they command me? I don't know if you ever feel that way. I feel that way. Like, when I read things in the Bible, I'm like, ah. Did they word that wrong? You know, is that what the Hebrew says? But the phrase fear not is used at least 80 times in the Bible. Just the phrase fear not. Most likely it's listed this many times in the Bible because God knows the enemy will use fear to decrease our hope and limit our victories. But the key here is, is that you have the chance and the choice to not let fear hold you back. That's why the Bible says, do not fear. I was in my office and I asked Mish, I was like, hey, look up, look up 80 in the Bible. <laughs> and she was looking it up and I was looking it up and I found some really cool stuff. So it's interesting to me that this says, fear not, 80 times in the Bible. Because a couple years ago, I would say like four and a half years ago, I was talking to Dr. Robbie. Some of you guys have heard this story before. But I was having like these cyclical thoughts, which if you've ever had panic attacks or anxiety attacks, you know what I'm talking about. It starts off like small sometimes and then all of a sudden just ramps up and you have no control over it. And I like have been taught my whole life how to lead myself. So I was like, why can't I control my emotions? This is weird. And Dr. Robbie explained to me that your brain, the strongest neural pathway in your brain, which think of a neural pathway like a literal path. Okay, so the strongest path that your thoughts can go down is the neural pathway of fear. That is the strongest neural pathway your brain will ever create. And so he was saying the reason why you keep going back in a cycle like this and you can't get out of it is because your brain's trying to make sense of it. So it's firing over and over again so that you make sense of it. And I said, well, how do I stop it? And he said, well, there's only one way to stop it, and that's to create a new neural pathway. It's like a train track. You gotta pull the lever and switch the train to go in a different direction. And I was like, so how do I do that? Like, tell me, like, I'm like a, I can be, even though I'm a woman, I can be a logical person. Like, just tell me how to get rid of these emotional flares that I have no control of, because I don't want them, right? And he's like, the only stronger, strongest neural pathway is gratitude. And I literally said to him, that's stupid. <laughs> Fear, gratitude, what? And it's interesting because 80 means gratitude. It means prayer. It means testimony. So do not fear 80 times has the actual answer in it. Prayer, gratitude, there comes your testimony. So a lot of times we're like, well, what do I do with this fear? <laughs> 80 times in the Bible it tells us, do not fear. I actually tried what Dr. Robbie told me and it worked. It wasn't easy because like my brain is strong, but it worked. <laughs> so every single time my thoughts would happen over and over, mine would go, this is my life. And I was like trying to calm myself down. I was like, this is my life. And I'll go, this is my life. This is my life. This is, and I would get out of control with like this, this is my life thing, okay? And all of a sudden I would go, thank you, God. Sometimes I didn't even know what to say. I'd be like, thank you, God, for my, my breath. And I have eyes. And I, thank you, God, for my donut dog, my dog donut. Thank you, God. 
And I would just go, thank you, God, thank you, God. And all of a sudden, my brain that was firing fear would shut up. And I had control back. And then sometimes it would come back and I'd have to do it all over again. It was work. But do you know now, whenever, if any of that ever comes up, I don't even fall for it. Because my brain has created a stronger neural pathway. Some of you guys have been dealing with panic attacks and you're just letting it rule you. Maybe because you don't have the answer, I'll tell you, it works. You're just gonna have to implement it every time. And okay, so what's interesting is while fear can play tricks on you with like your memory and your perception of reality, it also affects your body. It causes your body to like actually shut down organ function whenever you're fearful that's not essential for living life. Like so not just like emotionally or, or psychologically, but physically everything's focused in on your fear whenever you're fearful. Imagine if we could focus everything on God. Like when you get a diagnosis, whenever you, your friend leaves your life, whenever your boss says something rude, whenever that, that opportunity doesn't open up, whenever the door closes, instead of going, well, what's gonna happen with my life? Well, how's it gonna work out? What if we said, God, thank you that you're already working it out. How would our mind, our body, our brain respond to that? It's interesting to me that the longest living people, the only thing that they could ever connect was that they were grateful. That's the only thing they could ever connect that was the same. It wasn't genetics. It wasn't how they ate. It wasn't their physical fitness. I'm sure all those things like had a role to play, but the main thing they could connect was their gratitude. In Philippians 4, 6 through 9, it says, don't worry about anything. Whenever I hear them, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Instead, here's the answer, pray about everything. What is pray? Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. That's what praying means. Just like you would talk to a friend. Hey, God, I need you. He's like, I'm already there. You know? <laughs> then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So a lot of times we're feeling this fear and we're like, I just want peace. You know, they're like, they, there's a saying, have you prayed about it? Like, that sounds like so old. Like, when people say that kind of stuff to you, they're like, have you prayed about it? You're like, thanks, sir. <laughs> but sometimes, like, we have the answer. We just don't like it. So we don't implement it, and then we're frustrated at God when he's already given us the answer. So then my brother sent me the second part of the scripture in, like, the worst time of my life, and I, like, literally took me a couple days to respond. He was like, hey, I just thought of the scripture. I wanted to send it to you. It says, uh -huh. fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How many of you guys know, like, it's hard to think about, like, good things whenever bad things are happening? Like, that doesn't feel very encouraging. But looking back, I realized how important it was. Sometimes the truth is a truth no matter how much I like it in the moment. And I can either like agree with the truth or I can resist it and never receive from it. You see, it's in praying about everything and thinking on good things that you have peace. In both times in the scripture it says, 
Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you understand. And then later it says, then God's peace will be with you. Here's what's interesting. There's something you have to do to get God's peace. God's peace is there for you. It's a gift. But how do you get it? Stop thinking about stuff that isn't going to benefit you. Talk to God about the things that you need. Then his peace will come. Not like post about it on Instagram, not talk to your best friend to get him agree with you, not like look up verses that will serve what you want or like a quote that you're like, this is good. Like how about talk to God about it? Because then you will have peace. Not like, I just need to get it off my chest. No, when you do that, more is just gonna come. You're just gonna have more issues. So what does it mean? Have you ever heard this saying, face your fears? Have you guys ever heard that? I've heard it, and I had this thought the other day. What does that mean? <laughs> like, have you ever thought about that? Like, face your fears. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking about that. And usually, the re, what I thought about through this is, okay, usually we're running from something or someone because of fear, or we're actually letting fear run us. Most people avoid something and fears have a hold on them instead of God having a hold on them. You know, so many times in the Bible it says run into his presence. Like he stands at the door and he knocks. You got to let him in. Like we are the ones that open it up for God to come in. Fear is going to push its way in. You have to let God in. Right? But when you let God in, fear has no place. I decided to look up what fearful meant, which is obvious, like, but it meant full of fear. So then I was like, okay, like, how do you define a word with the word that's already in the word? So then I was looking up the word fear, and this is like all the etymology of the words, right? This is how words are built. Fear means deception. So to be fearful is to be full of deception. How weird is that? Then I, just for fun, looked up what the etymology of face was, because it like face your fears, you know? Face literally means to cover with something, to turn the face toward, to turn the face. Facing your fears is possible with God because what you're doing when you face your fear is you're putting fear in its place. You're no longer like having fear push you into a position. You're no longer running from fear. You're, foot, you're putting fear in its place because God's with you. So you're turning your face towards God. That's how you face your fear. You know, fear, it's, it's said that it's a reaction that starts in the brain and it spreads through the whole body and your body makes adjustments so that you can have this defense. It's similar to animals. I don't know if you ever watch like Animal Planet, Discovery Channel. I like love that kind of stuff, okay? But it's similar to animals because we learn fear through personal experiences, such as if you were attacked by a dog or you observe someone else being attacked by a dog, you're gonna probably be scared of dogs. You know what I mean? 
But we're different than animals in the sense that we can learn from spoken words or written notes. So in the day and age of social media, think about how this applies. If a sign says, dog is dangerous, you're probably not gonna get close to that dog. If you see like danger, dog ahead, you're gonna be like, ah, going the other way, right? Because you know like you don't wanna engage with that fear. But what if like I had my little fat donut licking me all over my face and you still thought, heck no, right? Like, heck no. All I could tell you is that there is an indicator to me. There is a, there is a point where you have to be, have wisdom, right? Like, because there's certain issues, but I'm using this as a metaphor. There should be a thing that goes off in your brain that goes, am I trusting God with this? Just because I've had an experience before or I saw someone else have an experience doesn't mean that I should respond right now based on that experience. Just because I see how someone else seems to be living, just because I see how many likes that person gets or comments or I understand that they bought their followers, doesn't mean that I have to live my life with this pressure or this fear of not being accepted or liked or followed. I literally saw this video the other day and it made me wanna throw up. There was this kid who was probably close to 18 and he said that he doesn't talk to his family anymore because they don't have any followers. This was a real video, real video. And this guy goes, what do you mean you don't talk to your mom because she doesn't have any followers? He's like, yeah, what do I have in common with him? Like, what do you want me to talk to them about? People base their life on such insignificance that they never live a life that matters. Whenever you live a life of fear, you live a life of insignificance and you're never gonna get where you wanna go. And you can stay frustrated at God about it. You can stay frustrated with yourself about it. You can give yourself all the reasons of how you grew up and what's unfair. But let me tell you something. Someone else has been like lived a life that's more unfair than yours and they're being successful. So what's the difference in someone who is successful or someone who God is using or someone who is healthy and someone who is not? They've turned their face to God. Now I can't speak for every single person like in Hollywood and all those things that look like empty success, okay? But I'm talking about the people that you look at and you're like, I want a life like theirs. It's not that you never feel fear. You just don't name it and call it out and accept it and receive it and live by it. We do that more than we do that with the word of God. It's so much easier to be like, oh yeah, I'm just scared of small spaces. Really? But is your God bigger than that? Can you be afraid of it, but still press forward? It makes me think of Tori. I saw her in the audience, but I know she doesn't like butterflies. We went on an intern trip and there was literally a butterfly exhibit with all these butterflies. And I was like, Tori, we're going in. She's like deathly afraid of butterflies. Now I started out by getting her a butterfly that was in acrylic, that was a real butterfly, but it was in acrylic. And I was like, I want you to know you have power. This is yours, it's in your hands. But you know what, she went through that freaking butterfly exhibit. Even though she was kind of scared, she did it the whole way. She didn't have to touch the butterfly. She didn't have to bring one home. She didn't have to keep it as her pet. But like, what is it that keeps you from facing your fear? Because you're not willing to trust God. You're not willing to receive who he is in your life. Fear creates a distraction. Fear is actually contagious. 
but we have a choice what we do with our fear. You know, according to scripture, fear is not the opposite of faith. And some of you guys are like, what? No, fear is not the opposite of faith in the Bible. Fear is the opposite of love. That's what the Bible says. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, where God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love takes away fear. It is his punishment that makes a person fear, so his love is not made perfect in the one who has fear. Now, how can God's love not be made perfect? Because you don't believe it more than you believe your fear. That's what the Bible If God loves you and he's for you, who can be against you? That's what the Bible says. It says that no, no height, nor depth, nor angels, nor, nothing, nor demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. So what separates you from the love of God? You. Your acceptance of it. You know, in, in John, John is talking about how love produces boldness and it casts out fear. But I want to give you this picture, okay? The entrance of one is the notice for the other to leave. The one that you let enter in through the door takes authority. So at the moment that love steps in, fear has to go. But you have to let love in. We cannot both have love and fear in the same person. Where love comes in, the darkness has to leave. Where love comes in, courage stays. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7 says, This is why I remind you to use the gift God gave you. God gave you that gift when I laid my hands on you. Now let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid. He gave us the spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I think about those scriptures and when you think about it, like in the context of what I'm saying here, it kind of changes it. Cause it's not just like a cute scripture, it's an answer. So do you ever, and I'm closing with this, but do you ever wonder how God sees you? Because how, how do you accept his love? How do you receive his love? Like what is it that keeps us from receiving his love? Because you don't understand how he sees you. Do you ever struggle with like these paralyzing thoughts of fear about yourself or like hating yourself or not liking things about yourself or being frustrated with yourself? Well, you're not alone. How we see ourselves and how we see our life and how we see our situations is essential to the life that we get to live. In Jeremiah 1.5, you've heard it so many times, but let me read it to you again. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know, I hear that prophet to the nations and you think, well, I may never, I may never stand on a stage. Your life is the greatest stage you will ever stand on. How are you doing with it? Because it says here, you've been appointed by God to be a prophet to the nations. How do you do that? You let God work in you. We all wanna know who we are. If you, if you think you don't, then think about how many personality tests and other assessments you've taken. It's interesting. We're trying to find ourselves. 
But as you begin to see yourself through God's eyes, your view of yourself begins to change. Your view of your life begins to change. You don't see yourself as rejected. You start to see yourself as loved and accepted, unique and amazing. God helps us see life a whole lot better. We can see ourselves, we can see our problems, but all of a sudden when we involve God, we start to change the way we see our past, our present and our future, and everything gets a little clearer as you get closer to God. In Isaiah 54, 10, it says, the mountains and hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. There are two characteristics about God's love you need to never ever forget. Number one, it's consistent. It's not fickle, it's not erratic. He does not have good days and bad days, good moods and bad moods, bad hair days, and days that say, hey, I don't like everybody today. Number two, his love is unconditional. God doesn't say, I love you if, and here are the conditions. It's not based on your performance, or I love you because, or, or if you do this, he just says, I love you, period. It's based on his character. He just says, I love you, you're mine. I made you, I saved you, I bought you. I want you with me. You wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for God's love. So, you know, we hear, we hear this word, ask for forgiveness in church, and it seems like really harsh, and we're like, ooh, I don't like that. And it's easy to like just bypass it in an altar call. But I wanna read you a scripture that really, really transformed my thought process on forgiveness with God. It says, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault, we who stand before him covered by his love. Before God made you, he knew everything that you were gonna do. He knew all the mistakes you were gonna make. He knew every worst thing that you would ever do. And he decided that there was not one thing that would separate you. God's not the kind of person that said, well, I didn't see that one coming. That's just too much. He said in advance, before he ever made anything, I'm not just willing to forgive you, I have forgiven you no matter what. I love you more than you could ever mess up. And so today with that reality, the thing that a lot of times keeps us from receiving the love of God is we think I'm not good enough. And you're right, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's why we need God, because he's more than enough. Every single flaw that you have, guess what? When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus standing before you. He's standing right in front of you. So every single flaw, every single gap, every single mistake is filled, even the ones in the future. Now that doesn't give us a right to just do whatever we want and be like, hope it works out. We have to come to God and go, God, I want you more than I want that. God, I let go of this fear and maybe you'll have to let it go every five minutes for the next five years. But God, I'm gonna let it go. I'm not gonna take that on. I'm not gonna name that. I'm not gonna call that out. I'm gonna call out your name. I'm gonna receive who you are in my life. I'm gonna receive your love because love casts out fear. And even though our love is not perfect and we're flawed and we have conditions, his love is perfect. You can't base it on your understanding of love. So every single moment that you've disqualified yourself, I want you to realize that you have been holding yourself back from receiving what God's already given you. He's already given you love. He's already given you everything that you need. 
And we're having all these residual issues, like these, these situations that are happening, we're frustrated at him. And he's like, I have the answer. Can you take it? Can you believe it? Can you receive it? Some of us tonight, we've been letting things be held over our own heads. And we're frustrated at ourselves. We're mad at ourselves, and we want to be further along. We want to do something great for God, but we've let our excuses, we've let our issues, we've let the things from the past hold us back. And today, God's saying, take off the mask, take off the name, take off the fear, and turn your face to me. Love is a fear killer. And tonight, I want you guys to have all of it. And I wanted to stand up here today and remind myself that there's nothing that can separate me from his love. So tonight, can we pray together? Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? And can we just say this? Maybe you're saying this for the first time. Maybe you're saying it for the millionth time. But can you just say this between you and God? Say, God, everyone, come on, say, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me of any mistakes I've made. Come into my heart. Make me new. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. I believe that he is who he says he is. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I thank you for every single person in this room that's been dealing with fear, that's been dealing with anxiety, that's been dealing with issues that they feel like are out of their control. God, I thank you that you not only have control, God, just like the disciples in the boat when the waves were hitting the boat, and they said, Jesus, do you not realize the storm is happening? He said, do you not realize that I'm in your boat? God, that tonight they would realize that you are in their boat. No storm, no wave, no darkness can overtake them when you're with them. So today, no matter what the enemy's tried to tell them, no matter how bad he's tried to tell them they are, no matter how he tells them they're not enough, that they would realize today, God, that you are more than enough, that your love covers a multitude of sin, that your love casts out all fear. And today we can walk out of this place, not only with our head held high, but with a voice understanding whose we are. That God, you chose us long before you created the world. God, that you chose your son to pay a price that we could never give back. And we're grateful today. So God, when we're fearful, when fear tries to come on us, God, we're gonna choose to be grateful instead. We're gonna choose gratitude and your love over anything else that tries to present itself. And God, when that fear tries to walk in the door, when it realizes that love's already there, it'll understand it has to leave. And God, I speak that in Jesus' name, that wherever there's fear, wherever there's darkness, because of your son, it has to leave right now. God, we're gonna be forever changed in your presence tonight because of what you did. And we're gonna walk out and our jobs are gonna be different, our lives are gonna be different, our relationships are gonna be different. We receive your love tonight. We receive your peace. We receive your joy that is our strength. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.